So good to see you today, and uh, today we're closing our series. I'm excited for the next one to come next week, Loved in Spite of Me. And you know the text that we'll be using is uh, the letters to the churches in Revelation, so it's going to be very fun. Do you not want to miss the next series? You don't want to miss it. But today, I want to talk about something that, that we all have them. Sometimes they're unexpected. Sometimes they're just consequences. Most people don't like them. No, I'm not talking about children. Some choose to ignore them. Some complain about them. Some try to run away from them. But in the words of one of the famous psychologists, Charlie Brown, he said, there is no problem so big that I cannot run away from. The truth is that in the journey that we have, in the path that is set before us, there's going to be problems. So today, I'm going to talk about difficulties. When the Roman Empire was conquering the world that was known at the time, they built things. In fact, the first thing they built as they were conquering were roads. They built roads because roads will help them to travel from place to place, from city to city, from nation to nation. And along these roads, their armies would travel faster than any other way that was known at the time. Roads were also built so that the Romans could transport goods and, 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 and spices and all kinds of things that were needed back in Rome. Therefore, we know the saying, all roads lead to Rome. The people of Israel were about to find out something. That May all the roads lead to Rome, not all roads are the same. Sometimes the route changes. Sometimes the destination changes. It had been 400 years. And now finally the words of Pharaoh had been uttered, Israel, you may go. It was the day of deliverance, it was the day of freedom, it was the day of independence, it was the day that had been promised and long awaited. So now Israel is packing their bags. Their camels are packed and their camel bags were on. Now they're ready to go to the promised land. They have to take their stuff, all their stuff, the good stuff. And also the bad stuff. So this time we're going to look at the story. And let's open our words, our Bibles, or get your notes from the bulletin that you received that you, as you came in. On Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. Are you with me this morning? 
Then the Lord said to Moses, I love it when a text starts saying the Lord said. Because it is beautiful that every time that we're about to start a journey, God says how to do it. God sets the destination. God sets the path, sets the directions, the warnings, and everything we need to know to start a journey. So the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihahiroth, between the Magdal and the sea, in front of Baal You shall encamp facing it by the sea. Wait. I thought that this wait of 400 years was for them to go to the promised land. I thought that the journey they were about to embark on was to go, to move forward, to move on, to go to the place that was promised to Abraham. But now God is telling the people, and you see it clear right there, the Lord said to who? And Moses tell who? So you see the chain of command here comes from the highest place. Tell the people to turn back. What? This doesn't make sense. Uh, 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 I don't know. If I were Moses at, the, at that time, uh, God, um, you know, we, we're supposed to go, not turn back. Now, I want to show you something. Uh, this is a map of uh, Egypt. Um, of course, I know you read uh, uh, Arabic very well, so I won't translate that. But uh, I want you to see, I want you to see uh, where, what God told them to do. This is Cairo and most likely the place where the palace of Pharaoh was. It had to be at the banks of the, uh, of the Delta and the, and the Nile River right here running through. Uh, this is one of the rivers that goes south to north, not north to south. It's very interesting. But what happens is that as they were leaving, their encampment that was about here in Goshen, the land that was given in the time of Joseph, you remember that they received the best of the land. If you don't remember, listen to the first message of the series. God is telling them, you have to come back. Why come back? Because the idea was to travel north through, through uh, the best part of the land instead of the middle of the desert and go all the way to the promised land that was most likely the route that the family of Joseph took a few times to come to Egypt however God is telling them no 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 you are not going north I'm changing the plans see what you're going to do is that you're going to come down and you're going to camp in the middle between Migdol and Pihahiroth. Now, this is interesting because Migdol was a, 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 a Harrison, was, was a, 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 for, a fortress, was a place where the Egyptians had a, a, a battalion, an army. Remember the story, Pharaoh is going to chase him. So going north to Migdol could have been difficult. So he tells them, you're going to go in between Migdol and Pihahiroth, right in front of Baal-Saphon. And, and what you're going to do is that you're going to camp right there by the sea. You're going to what? Camp. Camp. You see, sometimes we just want to go, we just want to move, we just want to get there. But what God is trying to teach the people of Israel is that sometimes in the journey, you need to stop to learn a lesson. 
There's something you need to learn as you go, but in order for you to learn it, you have to stop. And the reason why God wants to teach us lessons, family, is because we all must remember one practical thing. That all of us, all of us have a journey. And it is my journey, is no one else's. Verse 5, same chapter 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this that we have done? That we have let Israel go from serving us. What have we just done? Now Pharaoh is regretting his decision of letting the people go. But see, what happens sometimes is that, that we forget one, one thing. My journey is no one else's. But it's not my business to desire somebody, else, somebody else's journey. See, Pharaoh is thinking about Israelites, their journey. And he does not want them to go on their journey. And sometimes what we do is that we envy somebody else's path. We envy somebody else's circumstances. In fact, we wish, man, I wish my, li my life was like such and such or I wish my situation was like that or I wish my path was like that but see what happens is that when I begin to look at somebody else's path I look I lose focus of my path I forget that I have my own and when I forget that I have my own path I rob myself of the joy and the blessing and the experience of going on my own path and the lesson that I have to learn, I never get it because I'm focused on somebody else's path, not on my own. Pharaoh had to learn that he had a path of his own. There were lessons that God tried to teach him along the way. And Pharaoh needed to learn that along the way, on his own path, Israel was not in it. Have you been watching the Olympics? Don't lie. You're going to bed late because you've been watching the Olympics. The Winter Olympics are, are interesting. They're very different than the Summer Olympics. They last the same amount of time, two weeks. But the Winter Olympics only have 16 disciplines. But one of the things that I like the most is not curling. No, no, no. But one of the things that I like the most is the, the short track. Oh, the short track. I, I'm just, when, I, when, when they show clips of that, I just... If you've seen it, it is amazing. And one of the races, this is like the, like the in the Summer Olympics, the main event on track is a 100-meter dash. See, in short track, in the Olympics, in the Winter Olympics, is a 1,000 meters. And it goes super fast. It just happened that the Olympics are taking place where? In Korea, in Korea, right? I can even say the name of the city, but in Korea, right? Now, so what happens is that, what happens is that, Two of this, the, the, the female skaters for short track were favorite to win the goal in the 1,000-meter track. And if you were watching on Thursday, you know what happened. As they're trying to take their position, 
these two Korean uh, uh, skaters, th they had a technique that they were in the back, in the back, in the back, and two laps before the end, they would just take everybody on the outside and win. And they did that every heat until the final. Because in the final, when they were about to take their position, they crashed. I believe that when I lose focus of the path that God is set for my life, I'm in danger. Because when I try to take somebody else's path, when I try to get on somebody else's life lane, two things might happen. I'm going to lose and somebody else is going to get hurt. That's when I have to remember that my path is no one else's. Because the moment I try to get in somebody else's path, I'm going to lose. And somebody else is going to get hurt. However, the journey will always have challenges. Verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. Now, you, you've seen the movie, right? Remember Prince of Egypt? Okay, okay. Remember the Ten Commandments? Ah, all right, all right. You remember the movie. Now, Pharaoh says, okay, let's go chase them. And he summons the, the, their army, and they go on the chariots. And, and you can think right now the scene when the camera zooms in on the, zoom, in on the wheels, and you see the sand spinning out of the wheels as they go fast to catch on the Israelites. So the Israelites are, are camping. It says right there on verse 10, the Egyptians were marching after them and they fear greatly. If you're camping there by the ocean, I mean, think about it. It was a cool place. It was by the, by the shore, the breeze, nice camping. They have no clue Egypt's army is coming behind them. But then all of a sudden, somebody says, hey, look at that dust cloud. So at first, they made me feel worried. But as the cloud is getting bigger, and now they can hear a noise, the yelling of the soldiers and the, and the, and the hooves hitting the, the rocks, and now the worry turned into concern and after a while now they can see the horses they can see the chariots they can see the soldiers in the distance breaking the horizon and now their worry that that began now it's turning into panic on our journey there will always be challenges we panic, we fear, when we focus on the challenge, not on the path. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which we will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Now, let me tell you something about the word fear. 
The word fear in Hebrew is the word yare. Can you say yare? It's a little weird because it has a good sound from your throat, yare. But yare is the reaction of watching, of looking, observing something that is out of the ordinary. Something that is weird, something that is different, something that is new, something you've never seen before. When you watch it, you go, oh. That's from when we get the word awesome. Now the kids go, oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's where we get that from. So fear in Hebrew is the reaction of after observing something that is not commonly seen. Now. When this happens, there are two possible outcomes when somebody sees something that is not seen before. The first one, the first reaction is fear. Fear as in, oh my goodness. The other reaction is amazement. Oh, wow. Remember that. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Wait, you told us to stop. Yeah, I was waiting for the Egyptians to come. Now they're here. Now go forward. But there's a little problem. Right in front of their path is the ocean, is the sea. Moses goes, God, um, yeah, as much as we want to go forward, we can't. We don't know how to swim. Uh, what do we do? Lift up your step, verse 16. Stretch out your hand over the sea. Remember what that means? Hand. Let me remind you. Hand means possession. It means extension. So God is telling them, telling Moses, Moses, now you are going to have my power that is going to enable you to become my extension. So Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Is, was that division going to be with Moses' power? No, was going to be with God's power through Moses. Now, and the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. On our path, remember, there will always be obstacles. There will always be challenges. And there's two things we need to remember. God never, God has never promised to remove the obstacles. But God has promised to guide us through them. Tell the people to go forward. To go forward. To go forward. I don't know if you got it, but what is God saying? Go forward. Go forward. In case you didn't get it, go forward. When we have a challenge in front of us and we see it, we panic, we stop, and we don't want to move. By my house, uh, 
there is a, 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 a creek-looking thing. There's water there, and there's a lot of foliage around it, and there's all kinds of nocturnal animals living there. And once in a while when I get home, and it's already dark, you see that these animals with a white face, you know what I'm talking about? Possums, exactly. As I'm driving into the street, my street is kind of weird. It's a very narrow street. It's a private-looking street. And, and when you turn into that street and, and you go around and, and these animals see you, these possums see you, they turn around to the light and they stop. It's funny because you drive in front of them and they don't run. They, they don't run. They don't hide. They just stay there. God is saying, no, 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 no. Don't stand there. Go. Okay, half of you, half of you is away. Now, awake. Now, this is what happens. So God says, go forward. And the question is, why? Why did the people of Israel have to go forward? Well, we already know that my journey is no one else's. We already know that in the journey, there will always be challenges. But God is trying to teach the people of Israel that when God is with me, when God is with us, I will surely make it to the other side. Regardless of the challenge, when God is with me, when I'm listening to his guidance, when I'm allowing him to be my guide and the journey, I, will, I have a guarantee, guarantee that I will make it to the other side. Verse 19, then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud. Remember the pillar of cloud that we talked about last week? Moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. So there's Egypt army chasing them and in the middle between Israel and Egypt, there's a pillar of cloud. And there was the cloud and the darkness and it lit up the night. Now, isn't that awesome? Without one coming near the other all night. Abraham had the same experience. Genesis chapter 15. God is speaking to Abraham. In fact, he just told them, your family, my family, my nation is going to be in the land. Remember last week? It's going to be in the land that is not going to be their own. And they're going to be there for how long? 400 years. When they come out, they will come with a mighty hand, with possessions, with victorious hand that I will give. But when Abraham received this message from God, during this conversation... God tells them something. Abraham, I want you to take these animals and I want you to cut them in half. Okay. So the Bible tells us in Genesis 15 that Abraham cut the animals and put them one half on one side and one half of the other. Let me tell you what that meant. That meant that God was making a contract with Abraham. See, today when you buy a house or when you buy a car or, or furniture that you're going to pay in installments, you sign this contract that is like three miles long, right? And, and that contract says that what you're getting is the part of the one that is 
selling you the item, but on the contract, you're agreeing that in, for so many months, you're going to be paying a certain amount of money until you reach a, a certain amount. And if you don't fulfill your part, bad things are going to happen to you. See, in those days, in the time of Abraham, contracts were a little different. You see, people would take an animal, a cow, a goat, a lamb, and they would cut it in half. And then what they would do is that both parties would have a copy of the contract. And what they would do is that each one will have their copy of the contract. They will raise their hand and they would walk in the middle of the animals, right in between them, this, this uh, divided animals, and they would say, if I don't fulfill the part of the contract that I'm agreeing to right now, let it happen to me as this animal. If somebody, if somebody failed to fulfill their part of the contract, there was somebody called the RIP, R-I-P. And the RIP was somebody who, let's call it today, the collector. So the person with the contract that was uh, uh, wronged would come to the rip and say, you know, Mr. Rip, uh, that would be cool to have an office, Rip Collation Agency. I don't know. Uh, Mr. Rip, uh, you know, I have this copy of this contract and this individual whose name is right here on the bottom line, you know, we did the animal thing and we passed through the middle of them. He failed his part on doing his part. So the rip would go to find this man who failed on fulfilling his part of the contract, and with his sword in his hand, he would come to this man and say, you know, look, I have the other half of your contract, and according to this, you fail. So at that moment, the rip will take his sword and decapitate the man. Aren't you glad we don't have that kind of contract anymore? You know? So, so what, what is happening here is that God is telling Abraham, Abraham, right now I am doing a contract. I am making a contract with you. The old word for contract is covenant. Does that sound familiar? That was the old covenant. Now, this is what we're doing, Abraham. I am creating a compromise with you that in 400 years after your family is in this land that it is not theirs, they will come out free. Now, check this out. And you see it on the screen. It got dark. It was dark. It became night. And Abraham began to fear because he was there with the animals, dead animals in the wilderness alone. Now you understand what he was fearing. Just like the Egyptians were at night. I mean, the, the Israelites were at night in the desert alone. They feared. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking what? Pot of fire. Wow. Wait. wait who brought it? Who, 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 where did that come from? Right? And the flaming torch passed between these pieces. Guess what happened? God is telling Abraham, Abraham, what I'm telling you is my part of the contract. I'm going through the middle of the animals, and I'm telling you, after 400 years, I'm going to take my family, your family, to the other side. Between the Egyptian camp and the Israelite camp, it was God saying, family, today I'm fulfilling my part of the contract. I'm doing my part. Now is your turn to do yours. 
Verse 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your offspring, I will give this land from the river of Egypt. Are you with me? They were already in their land. That's why God appeared. To remind them of the promise. From the river of Egypt, Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So God is saying, your land is going to be from the Nile to Babylon. God was saying to Israel, guys, today I'm fulfilling my part of the contract. Now is your turn. And God is saying today, family, I've been doing my part all along. Now is your turn to do yours. Verse 21, Exodus 14. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back. Who did that? The Lord, by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Does that sound familiar? The waters were divided. The animals were divided. Now you're waking up. The obstacle. He did not remove the obstacle. What God did is that he created a way. Now Israel needed to think out of their minds, out of their past, out of everything that was happening in the past. And they had to accept that God had just made a new way for them to get to the other side. Can I hear amen? amen. But all they have to do was to accept the new way. To accept this new thing, this awesome thing, and to pass. Verse 26, and the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. You see constantly this phrase, stretch out your hand. Moses, I'm working with you. You are my extension. I'm working through you, with you, and for you. Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots, and upon their horsemen. As good as this was for Israel, it was not going to be as good for the Egyptians. Did you know that the Egyptians never conquered another nation? Look it up. Google it. The Egyptians never, come in another, never conquered another nation. And the reason why was because they believed that if they were out of their country, out of the land, their gods will not be with them. And it was going to be a curse to go and fight and die in another land that was not theirs. The Lord delivered Israel in Egyptian land. The Lord defeated Egypt in their own turf. Because God has promised that when we listen to his commands, when we listen to his voice, he will not only make a new way, He will give us victory. Verse 31. And Israel saw the great power. Now, stick with me here. Great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Before they feared the Egyptians. Oh my goodness. Now they fear the Lord. Wow. 
You get it now? The same experience, family, God has promised that can happen to us. We could fear the things that we see around us. We could fear the things, the economy, the, 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 the government. We could fear all kinds of things today. And let me tell you, we have a lot of things to be fearful of. But God is saying, you're not alone. In this journey that you're in, I am with you. In this journey that you're going through, there's times that you're going to need to stop. There's going to be times that you need to fear a little because, you know, it is in your fear that you experience my presence. You know, we question God sometimes. Why do good people have to leave us? Why does this have to happen? Why do children need to die? And that question is being risen more and more often, unfortunately, in our country. But see, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. If nothing bad would happen, if no crisis would come to us today, if there wouldn't be all peace and joy and happiness, we would not have a need to go to heaven. We would not desire the presence of Jesus in our hearts because everything would be just okay. So God is protecting us at some level, but he needs to allow sin to be evident in our world, in our country, in our homes. So that we can learn to trust in him. And to be reminded that we are on a journey, on a journey that belongs to us and that God is setting us so that we can learn to trust in him as we go through the trials. And that we can learn to trust that even in the midst of the difficulties and the problems, God will make a way. About 2,000 years ago, God decided that he was going to make a way. A way that it was going to be new. A way that it was going to be different than anything else that the world had ever seen before. And he decided to do a contract. A contract of redemption. A contract of salvation. We call it today the plan of salvation. But it is a contract that God said, guys, I'm going to make a way for you. And whoever trusts in me will be in all of the things that I will do for you. And he said, guys, you know, it's in Christ alone. In Christ alone. The only way that we can be together. The only way that your problems can be seen. Not as barriers and obstacles that prevent you from getting to the other side. But in fact, they, through the problems, I will make a way for you to get to the other side. And it's through the blood of Jesus. It's through the cross of Christ. That today we can say with assurance. That even in the midst of the problems and the times that we live in. We can get to the other side. Because it is. In Christ alone. And as we meditate on these words, let's listen to this song.
And perhaps today you're going through some difficulties in your life. Perhaps you, you lost your job or, or you're going through some challenges with your family. Perhaps you've been struggling with your spirituality and, and, and you're questioning the reality of God as someone who is there for you. Today I want to tell you that it's time to go forward. It's time to trust that Jesus can take you to the other side. But you, you'll never know until you try it. And Jesus is extending his hand today and telling you, my son, my daughter, take my hand. Let me show you a new way. It's time to leave the old behind and come today to the path that I have prepared for you. And if you're in that and you want Jesus' hand to, to take you to the other side, stand with me and let's pray that his power be with us today. A gracious Lord, some of us have stopped moving forward because we're just tired. Our strength is gone. We don't, we don't see light anymore. It's just completely dark. Some of us, Lord, we're just waiting for, for, for something to happen, for somebody to, to light a light. And some of us, Father, we're just waiting for your guidance. And Father, today we learned something. We learned that, that in this journey that you've set for us, you're always willing to tell us what to do. You're, you're willing to tell us where to go. You're willing to tell us when to stop and when to move. But Father, the greatest thing of all is that today we know that Jesus is always helping us to cross to the other side. Regardless of our problems, or challenges, or situation, we can trust that Jesus is the firm cornerstone that can be our secure anchor in this world of turmoil. And we can trust that Jesus is the one that with his mighty power and, and, and measurable love can embrace us when we fear the most. And we can trust that Jesus has been there before, so he knows the way, and he can take us home. I pray for my brothers and sisters, for my friends who are here today, for those watching online and for those who listen on the podcast during the week, that wherever they are today, they can experience the compassionate hug of Jesus Christ. May they not feel alone and they remember that Jesus is always by their side. We praise these things and, and in all, we worship our Lord Jesus Christ today. Amen.